delight to get to be here, uh, here at uh, Wallenstein Bible Chapel. And I do come on behalf of the seminary, but really I come as a brother in Christ, uh, and I share a heart for the Lord like you do. I love your church and uh, what I've known of your pastors, uh, Pastor Ron, and now in glory, and now Pastor Gary. Uh, they were, uh, especially I've, I got to know Ron some, but got to know Gary even, even a little better. And so I had a heart, of prayed for you as a congregation, and prayed for Wynn and the family, and just praying for what Gary and his family and others will be doing as God moves you forward. So it's a joy to be here. Linda and I are, are, are pleased to get to see what God is doing here in your part of the world. So do you know the Christmas classic, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas? Familiar with that one? Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Remember the next line? From now on our troubles will be, what? Out of sight. Well, the irony of that song is that it was first recorded in 1944, which was right in the middle of World War II. Troubles weren't exactly out of sight in 1944. Another irony of the song is that it was first recorded by a singer-actress by the name of Judy Garland. She was a well-known celebrity in her day. She played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. But she had a very troubled life. It was not a peaceful life where things, were, problems were out of sight. She struggled with addictions. She had four marriages that ended in divorce. She ultimately died of an accidental drug overdose at the age of 47. So here you have this song talking about all the troubles out of sight, sung at a troubled time by a troubled lady. That was 77 years ago, and our world is still troubled, isn't it? Troubles don't even take a holiday for Christmas. I mean, we face all the troubles of the complications of COVID and its aftermath and illnesses. We face troubles on an economic level. There are economic vulnerabilities for many of our small businesses. There are, there are relational rifts, racial rifts. There's political problems. Phil prayed for a number of hot spots in our world where the troubles are there. And those troubles hit close to home. In fact, often the tensions that we face flare up at Christmas as we get together with some of the people we know and love the best. So here's my question. How do you have yourself a merry little Christmas when your troubles aren't out of sight? How do you find peace when all that's around you and even what's going on inside of you is not exactly peaceful? Well, I think one of the answers is doing what you're doing here at WBC this, this year in December. You're going to Advent. You're remembering. You're slowing down. You're thinking back. Today in this Advent series, we come to the second candle, the candle of peace. Peace in the midst of a fearful world. What I want to do for you in our few moments is to go back to the first Christmas story and hear again the message of peace that was proclaimed. And then ask ourselves this question, how can that peace be more a part of my life and my world this Christmas? How do you find peace in a troubled world when your troubles aren't out of sight? To do that, I want to invite you to go to the passage that was read for us a little earlier, Luke chapter 2. Today we'll be in verses 8 to 14 with a special focus on verse 14, because that's where we find the promise of peace on the first Christmas 
My hope and my prayer is that today as we look at God's word, a sense of his peace would come closer to you even before all your troubles are out of sight. Let's pray and ask the Lord to do that. Father, you know in the recesses of our souls we carry heavy burdens and they're not out of sight. They're a top of mind much of the time. We wake up thinking about them. We go to sleep thinking about them. Some are very personal and close to home. Others are in our community or in our church family. Some affect our country and some of them affect the world around us. But we do long for peace. We long for your peace. So help us today to hear the message of the first Christmas and how it still speaks with relevance on this Christmas. Speak your peace in our troubled world, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, which was read for us, begins by telling us, Joseph and Mary's story, and uh, their troubles were not out of sight on that first Christmas. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 4 tell us that they were forced to uproot from their hometown of Nazareth, and they were forced to go 150 kilometers south to Bethlehem because of a government edict. They had to go down for a census. Verse 5 tells us that uh, Mary was great with child as she went. So can you imagine being about to deliver and having to go on a 150-mile walk? Maybe they had a donkey. We don't know. But she had to go 150 miles, 150 uh, kilometers at a time when no woman would really want to travel like that. Oh, and did I mention she and Joseph weren't married yet? Verse 5 says that they were betrothed. Now, they both knew that the baby Mary was carrying was actually conceived by a miracle of the Holy Spirit. But the people around them might not have known this. And it had to be awkward for them. And then on top of that, they get to Bethlehem, verse 6 and 7 tell us, and they can't find suitable housing. So verse 7 says that when she has her baby, she lays him in a manger, a feeding trough, because there was no room for them in the inn. So it wasn't exactly a smooth start for Mary and Joseph as they gave birth to their first son. But in the midst of it all, Luke wants us to know that God was at work. And what he does is he changes the scene in verse 8. Though we're still in the region of Bethlehem, he goes to the hills right around Bethlehem where there are shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Verse 9 tells us, An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were sore afraid the King James says they were terrified they were filled with great fear and the angel says to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord and this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger and then verse 13 says This one angel is joined by a company of angels, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, now here's our verse, the verse that speaks of peace. Verse 14, the angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. We hear that and we think, "That's, that's beautiful. That's what we want. Glory to God in the highest, we want peace on earth. But it raises some questions, doesn't it? Because we look around on our world and we think, I don't see a lot of peace. I don't see peace globally. I don't see peace nationally. I don't see peace locally. 
And sometimes I don't see peace personally. So what is this promise of peace that was there on the first Christmas? How does that apply to us on this Christmas? Well, what I want to do is to focus in on our verses a little tighter, a little closer. And I want to show you four things that I think come out of this one passage about the peace that was promised on the first Christmas that still is available to us on this Christmas. Four things about the peace of Christmas. Four things that I think will encourage your heart. Four things that I think you'll need just like I need. Here's the first one. What can we say about the peace that was promised? Well, the first thing that I get, especially out of verse 10, is simply this. Because of Jesus, because of Jesus coming, catch this. We can have peace within. I think this passage is telling us that there is peace on earth and it starts within. Because of Jesus coming, we can have peace within. I say that because the angels appear to these shepherds who are terrified and the angels say in verse 10, fear not, don't be afraid. Now the, angel, the angels appear and evidently when this angel appears, like what we see in the Bible, angels are fearsome, awesome creatures. They appear and these shepherds are just terrified. And when the angel says in verse 10, fear not, don't be afraid. On one level, the angel is saying, calm down, don't panic, I'm not here to hurt you. But I think the angel is saying something far more than that because you notice in verse 10 it says, the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel says, I've got good news for you. There's a baby born and he's come to save you. Now, put yourself in the place of those shepherds. Like when they showed up at work that day, do you think that they carried some of their own troubles with them? Do you think they had things in their heart that weighed on them? You say, well, of course they did. They're like all the rest of us. Some of those shepherds probably came to work. They had the night shift, right? They're on the hills at night. They probably came to work thinking about family issues that they had going. They probably came to work thinking about economic issues, financial issues. They had stuff going on in their life. They had, they had bigger issues. Their country, the Jews, were under the thumb of Roman Empire. They had a lot of things going. They show up at night and suddenly the angel says, Fear not, I got good news. Someone's come to save you. Savior's been born. The angel doesn't say, I've got good news. All your troubles are now out of sight. Angel doesn't say that. The angel just says, let me tell you what's now in your sight. A baby, a baby's come. It's not like all your troubles have gone away, but God has come near. And friends, I'd say the same thing is true for you. This Christmas, I can't say to you, hey, I've got good news, all your troubles are out of sight. You know that's not true. But I can say to you the same thing the angel said to them. I've got good news. A Savior has come. It's not that your troubles have gone. It's that Jesus has come. And if you're finding it hard to find peace this Christmas, one of the things you need to do is to stop and let that message sink in. A Savior has come. Christ the Lord. He came for those shepherds. He came for you. And when you start to believe that and hang on to that, it's like you can have peace 
within, even before your troubles are out of sight. See, because of Jesus, we can have peace within. But that's not all. That's not all. We're just getting started. There's a second thing that's true about this peace that was announced on the first Christmas. It was true then, it's true now. I would say to you that these verses also tell us this. Because of Jesus, not only is it true that we can have peace within, but secondly, because of Jesus, catch this, we can have peace with others. Not just peace within, but peace with others. I get that from verse 14. The message specifically is this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Peace among. This is not just peace within, this is peace among. This is peace between us. He's not just talking about a personal peace, he's also talking about interpersonal peace. See, the, the Hebrew word for peace is, word, is a word you've probably heard. It's the word shalom. That's the word that the shepherds would have thought of when they thought of peace, shalom. Shalom's an interesting word. It's a rich, nuanced word. It's hard to bring into English in one single word. It, it's multifaceted. Shalom basically means well-being, well-being. But it means, it means well-being in a variety of ways. It, sometimes shalom means physical well-being, like you're healthy, you're whole. Sometimes it means material well-being, you're prosperous. Sometimes it means spiritual well-being, you have the blessing of God. But often, often it means relational well-being. You're at peace with people. There's a sense of community and well-being. So I think when the angel says to them, peace among those whom he's pleased, the angel is telling the shepherds, you can have peace with others because of the Christ who has come. Now that's good news. I would suspect that if we were all candid, if we could be honest, and we had to say, what troubles do you carry? What troubles do I carry? A lot of those troubles that we carry are relational troubles. They're the things that weigh us down the most. It's, we can't get along the way we want to get along with the people close to us. Our spouse, our children, our parents, our siblings. Christmas seems to kind of just even ratchet it up a little bit more. And here the angel is saying, no, 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 there's peace among. It can come between. And we say, well, how can that happen? How can there be peace between people who don't agree? I think what the angel is saying is that with Jesus coming, Jesus comes to bring a level of unity and peace that's deeper than our human disagreements. Maybe I could illustrate it this way. Uh, the piano here. I imagine from time to time you bring in a piano tuner. And uh, if you've ever seen them work, they got all these kind of cool ratchets and they kind of put them on these little keys and they turn them. And typically what a piano tuner will do is he'll go to one, one specific key, one note, one set of strings, and it's the, it's the A above middle C. And he'll tune to that frequency. He'll make sure that that one is tuned to 440 hertz. That's the standard. You always want the A above middle C to be 440 hertz. And then, once he gets that one at 440 hertz, he'll put all the other strings at their right frequency in relationship to that one key. And when he does that, the piano's in tune with itself. But here's the amazing thing. If that piano tuner goes to another location and goes to that piano and sets the one at 440 hertz and then fixes it all, 
guess what? This piano will be in tune with that piano, right? All the pianos can be in tune if they're on the same frequency. I think what the text is telling us is this. There is a way to be in tune with God because of Jesus that helps us be in tune with each other, even if we're different. That when I, when I am in tune with God, I have a chance now to start getting in tune with other people. I remember a, a buddy of mine who's a pastor out west was telling me the time that his church congregation had to vote on a new roof for the, for the church. You're in a building program, you have a building fund, they had a building fund, and the, and the church building needed a new roof. So they had a committee struck and they decided they brought forward two proposals. One was to build, uh, put a new roof on that was a composite roof that was less expensive. But then there was also a, a proposal that they could put on a metal roof, which would last longer, but it was a lot more expensive. So it came to the congregational meeting. And in the middle of the meeting, one of the men stood up who was very well respected. He was kind of, uh, he was one of the wealthiest men in the area. He was a leader in the church. He stands up and he says this, if we go with the metal roof, I pledge an extra $15,000 towards the building campaign. Then he sits down. So they come to a vote, they tally it up, and his side loses. They, the people voted to go with a composite roof, the one that was less expensive. So when they announced the, the, you know, the results, everyone was a little tense, like, what's he going to do now? I mean, he made a big deal about he's going to pay money if we did, you know, more if we did the metal roof. He stand, the guy stands up, looks at the congregation, and he says, I just want you to know that that $15,000 for the metal roof it's good for the composite roof, too. Now, do you think, in his heart of hearts, he thought it was the right decision to put on a composite roof? I don't think so. I think he was still convinced the metal roof was better. But do you see what was happening? He cared more about the unity of the congregation than winning his argument on the roof. He was in tune with God in a way that allowed him to stay in tune with people, even when he didn't totally agree with them. See, Jesus came to bring peace among. And when we're in tune with him, it helps us start to tune up with others, even when we don't agree. This Christmas, you'll probably have some gatherings with friends and families. And I'm just guessing, just shooting in the dark here, just guessing that there might be some differences of a viewpoint on all things pandemic in your circle, okay? Maybe, maybe not in yours, but in someone close to you, all right? There will be some people who see things one way and other people who see things a very different way. So how are we supposed to get along on this? How do we find peace? I think Jesus comes to give us a peace that's deeper than our differences when we're tuned into him and tuned up with him. So do you want peace with others? Here's where it starts. You have peace within. And then you say, Lord, let that peace within start to come without. Because Jesus came to bring peace. And because of him, we can have peace within and we can have peace with others. But we're still not done. There's a third way that we can find peace at that first Christmas. And it also comes out of verse 14. Where it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace Catch this, peace among those with whom he is pleased, with whom God is pleased. Oh, here's the third thing. It's hinted at in that line. Because of Jesus, we not only can have peace within and with others, because of Jesus, we can have peace 
with God. We can be pleasing to God. It says that, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So let me ask you, with whom is God pleased? With whom was Jesus pleased? Are you one of the people he's pleased with? Am I? Well, you get an answer to that question if you just read the rest of the Gospel of Luke. And watch how Jesus responds to people. Who's he pleased with and who's he not pleased with? And you get a sense of what it means when it says, Peace among those with whom God is pleased. Now, we don't have time to do a a close survey of Luke. So let me just do this in our few minutes. Let me dip into three little vignettes, three little episodes that show you. You look for a pattern. It'll show you who Jesus is pleased with and who he's not pleased with. And then you see where you are in that. Okay, see, if, would you be on one side or the other? Let me show you three little episodes and we find out who God is pleased with, who Jesus was pleased with. First one is in Luke 7. And in Luke 7, we read of the time when a Pharisee, a religious leader, has a dinner and he invites Jesus. And Jesus comes and as they're eating a meal, a woman crashes the party. And not just any woman. This was a woman who had, shall we say, less than a stellar reputation in town. She was kind of seen as a person of ill repute. And she comes in. You remember the story. She brings a a flask, a vial of expensive ointment. And she puts it on his feet. And she kisses his feet. And the religious man, the Pharisee, looks at this and goes, if this Jesus was a prophet at all, he would know what sort of woman this is. And he would not allow this. And then Jesus speaks up. Listen to what he says. I'm reading Luke chapter 7, verse 44. Turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Like you're at peace with God, right? Verse 49. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Verse 50. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go, look at it, in what? Go in peace. Okay, keep that one in mind. Here's the second vignette. I'm in Luke chapter 18. Jesus tells a story. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. I'll just read it to you. He also told a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Who is he pleased with? Who is he not pleased with? Here's the last one. Turn the page to Luke 19. 
Jesus is going through Jericho, and he sees a guy in a tree. Remember that guy's name? Zacchaeus, the wee little man. And he goes to his house, and it causes quite a stir because everyone goes, what's Jesus doing at that guy's house? That guy, is he's gone to the dark side, that Zacchaeus. He works for the bad guys. And Jesus goes to his house. Zacchaeus stands up, and he says, Lord, I've, I've cheated a bunch of people, but I'm going to pay them back. I'm going to pay them back like way more than I took from them. And then in verse 9, Jesus says, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save. Remember, he's a savior. He came to seek and to save the lost. So, based on those three, who's Jesus pleased with? Who's he not pleased with? Because remember, it said, peace among those with whom he is pleased. I think you get it. He's pleased with those who come to him and say, I need your help. Like, I got nothing. I got no resume. I got nothing to impress you. In fact, what I have is a lot of things that depress me. It would probably put you off. But I come to you with that. That's, that's who he's pleased with. And who he's not pleased with is the people that stand up and say, yeah, let me tell you a few other impressive things that I've done, God. I got this going. I got this going. I got this going. Jesus is saying that the people God is pleased with are those who know that they have sinned against him and cry out for his forgiveness. That's who he's pleased with. And he's not pleased with those who are self-righteous and have contempt on others. In fact, after... After Jesus says these things, you know the story. The people weren't pleased with him. They didn't like what he was saying. And the religious leaders take him. They turn him over to the Romans. In Luke chapter 22 and 23, we read how he's crucified. But even that was part of his saving plan, wasn't it? And after he's resurrected, you can read about that in Luke 24, Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, I've got a job for you to do. I want you to go give the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins everywhere. See, God is pleased. He's pleased to say to people like you and me, look, do you need forgiveness of sin? Do you need to be at peace with God? You can have it. If you come to him with that same humility posture that the woman had or the tax collector had. See, because of Jesus, you can have peace within. You can have peace with others. And you can have peace with God. And we're still not done. Because there's a fourth thing that comes out of our text. If you look one last time at Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, you'll see that the, the message of peace was not just personal. It wasn't just interpersonal. It wasn't even just vertical. It's also global. Because look what it says in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, like and on the earth, peace among those with whom he's well pleased. God's vision was that this peace would cover the earth. And you say, yeah, but that's not happened. Our, our world is still in turmoil. Even after Jesus came, it didn't seem to fix anything. We still have so nation against nation. We have problem on problem. We don't have peace on earth. And that's where you need to remember that the story doesn't end with Jesus' first coming, does it? Because he, after, after he was raised from the dead, he said, I'm coming back. 
And when he says he's coming back, he's not coming back to pay for sin. He's already done that. He's coming to establish a kingdom. The kingdom that was promised in the Old Testament. Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet said it in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. It said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of what? Peace. And of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. You see, Jesus came once so you could be at peace with God. And he's going to come a second time and make sure that peace envelops the earth. And those who have come to make peace with him get to be part of that kingdom. Even those who die before Jesus comes back, you'll be resurrected. You get to be part of that kingdom. So because of Jesus, we can have peace within, with others, with God. And because of Jesus, there will be peace on earth. So what do you do with all this? How do you respond to all this? I think you should respond just like the shepherds did when they first heard this. In Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 20, we're told the shepherds did three things. Can I close by giving you these three things and say, why don't you do these three things? Why don't I do these three things? What did the shepherds do when they heard this message of peace? First thing they do, verse 15 to 16, is, I would put it this way, come quickly to Jesus. Come quickly to Jesus. That's what they did. Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, verse 16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. You know what you should do with this Christmas? You make a beeline to Jesus. For some of you, if you've never come to know him as your Savior, you come to him and you say like, like that tax collector, Jesus, I got nothing, but I need you. I need to start with peace with you. I remember having a chance to talk that, give that message to some men that sat with me in a waiting room as we all waited to get radiation. I was a cancer patient. And I would go to the hospital and I would sit in the waiting room till it was my time. It was prostate cancer, so there was a bunch of other men sitting in there. And I always brought a little booklet with me. It's my favorite little booklet. It's called, it's Billy Graham Association put it out. It's called Steps to Peace with God. And I would sit there and if I had a chance, I'd say to one of the other guys who I didn't know, they didn't know me, I'd say, hey, how are you doing on the inside? Sometimes they'd say, I'm, I'm great, I'm going to whip this thing. But sometimes guys would say this, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And then I'd say, can I tell you what gives me hope and what gives me peace? Never had anybody say no. Everyone's looking for hope and peace. And I would, I'd pull out this little book. Often I wouldn't have time to, to go through it, but I'd say, I'm going to give you something that will tell you. It's put out by the Billy Graham Association. It's called Steps to Peace with God. And in a very simple way, it gives the gospel on how we need a Savior. Jesus came and died for us. And his death makes a, a bridge that we can cross over from where we are to God. And I would leave it with them. And I'd say, this little booklet points you to peace with God. That's where you need to start. I'd say the same thing to you, my friends. 
Where you need to start is like the shepherds. Make a beeline to Jesus. Come and make sure you are at peace with God. That's the first thing. And by the way, I have some of these. If you'd like one, come talk to me afterwards. I'll give you one. It's my favorite thing to give away. So what's the second thing you should do? Second thing you should do, not only come quickly to Jesus, but secondly, tell others. That's what the shepherds did. They told others. Look at verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. What did they do? They went around and they said, hey, you got to hear this. And what I would say to you is we have a story. We have a message of peace. And you live around people and I live around people who are dying for good news and who are longing for peace. And this Christmas would be a great time to say, hey, can I tell you why I have peace and hope this Christmas, even though our world's still in big troubles? Tell others. That's what the shepherds did. And then the last thing, verse 20. Third thing they did, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Here's the third thing. Glorify and praise God for this. Glorify and praise God. The shepherds go home and their life has been changed and they glorify and they praise God. You know what I've discovered? When I do that, when I take time to pull away from all the problems that I have and look upward and glorify and praise God, whether that's privately on my own or corporately in a church service, it's like peace comes. My troubles still aren't out of sight. But now I've got something else in my sight. My sight's on God and his son Christ. See, glorifying, praising God is part of what we do, but it's also part of what God does in us. So how do you have a merry little Christmas when the world is not all peaceful around you? You go back to the first Christmas, and you hear again the message that the angels pronounced. And you say, by God's grace, because of Jesus, I can have peace within. And as I tune up with him, I'm going to have peace with others. And I have peace with God. And I have hope that one day there will be peace on earth. If you do that, even before your troubles are all out of sight, you will have a merry little Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do ask that you would help us, like the shepherds, to hasten to Christ, to tell others, and to bring our praise and glory to you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.